This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Defamation. It's one of those terms that you hear about in the news all the time and people talk about it like you should know what it means. There have been a number of high-profile people recently involved in defamation cases, the likes of Lisa Wilkinson, Ben Robert Smith and Erin Molan, to name a few. Big ones out of the US include Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So, in this episode of Squish Shortcuts, we take a look at what defaming someone actually means, why it seems to be in the news all the time, and the push by big media companies to have the laws changed. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, as I said in the introduction, defamation cases are in the news a lot. Lately, the latest one in the headlines is TV presenter Lisa Wilkinson. She's defending herself against a case brought by Bruce Lehrman, the political staffer who pleaded not guilty to sexually assaulting Brittany Higgins. Let's start with that one. Yeah, so remember that Lawman's case ended in a mistrial. That was after a juror brought research material into the jury room that they shouldn't have done. Lerman is now bringing a defamation case against Wilkinson over her interview on the project on Channel 10 with Higgins. Uh, that aired just over two years ago now, if you can believe it. Um, he's also suing Channel 10 uh, and the journalist that broke the story in the News Corp papers, which was Samantha Maiden. And we'll talk a bit more about some of the cases involving pretty well-known people. These cases seem to go on for a really long time. They get pretty complex. You start reading the news about them and it's kind of easy to go, I don't know, I can't really wrap my head around defamation. Like what actually is defamation? (laughs) I am very much one of those people too. So this shortcut is actually very helpful for me. Uh, Look, and to put it very simply, defamation can be anything that harms a person's reputation. Uh, Obviously, a lot of the cases that end up in the news involve famous people. uh, But the reality is that there are plenty of cases happening in the courts every day that involve regular people. Uh, So there's cases of employees having said bad things about their bosses online, uh, even people in private Facebook groups slagging off against one another, mm. uh, you know, that annoying neighbour that all of a sudden finds out they're online. Um, they have ended up in defamation cases. And I guess the tricky thing about it is the bar for actual defamation is low, high, unclear. Mm. I mean, if I'm thinking about it, people say bad stuff about each other all day, every day, online, in person, in the media. Where's, where is the bar? <laughs> yeah, and look, I don't want to alarm anyone about talking trash. I'm trying <laughs> to think about bar- what, I've spoke, what I've said lately, Claire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a nice person. You only say nice things. Yeah, of 
but the bar to bring a case of defamation against someone is in some way surprisingly low. There are really only three things you need to establish. The first is the bad thing needs to have been said to at least one person. Uh, so it doesn't even have to be written down. Uh, it might just have been spoken. Um, the second thing is that it must identify the person. And the third is that it's got to be defamatory to the ordinary person. Mm. Uh, so the law there is trying to say, um, are you just offended because you're easily offended or actually does the thing that's been done make everyone think that you're a bad person or incompetent <laughs> or whatever it is that's been said? I can't help but laugh. It's a bit like a pub test and who is an ordinary person and here we go down that exactly. rabbit hole. But, um, and the, I mean, I guess the reality of this is that most of the time people say bad things to each other doesn't end up in court. No, it goes through to the keeper. Exactly mm. right. Uh, it's really just these rare cases, um, the 0.1% of the time when someone is motivated or aggrieved enough to actually bring that defamation action. And I guess that's because lawyers ain't cheap. Yeah, exactly right. And so often why we see only people who can afford it that bring those defamation cases. But mm. there are plenty of cases involving normal people. Uh, if we're all normal, I guess usual everyday run-of-the-mill people. Um, ordinary so giving people, you, you could say. <laughs> ordinary people, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So giving you an example of how that all works, let's say Janine is a carpenter. Mm -hmm. uh, she sees a review about herself online posted by a client. Let's call him Tim. Um, it says that Janine is the most incompetent rubbish carpenter and don't employ her because your house will fall down. Uh, on the face of it, that is defamatory because it harms her reputation. Ah, uh, gotcha. Good example. So she could engage a lawyer and bring a case against Tim, who posted that review, even if it's on a page that hardly anyone ever sees, I guess. Yeah, she could. But probably one of the first questions her lawyer would ask is, what is Tim going to say in his defence? Uh, because this is the nub of defamation law. It's not really about what was said. The bigger question is, is it defensible? Uh, that's really the thing that the court is considering because, like you said, otherwise people would be in court every day. Mm, what are the most common ways people defend themselves in a defamation case then? Gee, it is more interesting than I thought this shortcut. <laughs> well, the first one is the defendant can argue that what was said was substantially true. Uh, so Tim could say, look, I've had to spend thousands of dollars to get another carpenter in to fix up Janine's shoddy work. Um, and here's the photographic evidence of all of her bad work. But if he doesn't have the photos, he could still defend himself. I'm very invested in Tim and Janine now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Look, Tim could say that actually it's contextual uh, or substantially true. So Tim mightn't have direct proof of her work uh, that caused issues to his house. Uh, Tim might come to the court and say, look, here are five other times uh, other people have had similar issues with Janine's work. Uh, so what I've said about her actually doesn't make her reputation any worse. Sadly, we can't tell you what happened with Tim and Janine because they're fictional, <laughs> but it is a really, really good example and a good summary of sort of how this kind of thing can work for the, as we said, Claire, ordinary person. <laughs> we know, though, that the ones we mostly hear about are those that involve famous people, I guess. Let's have a look at a couple of those cases that have hit the news. 
In terms of international attention, few defamation cases have been bigger than Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Claire, we were quite mm. invested in that for a while and we weren't the only ones. Oh, no, it was such a big thing. And mm. look, Depp launched that case against Heard back in 2018. He said that an opinion piece that she wrote for the Washington Post uh, back then implied that he was a domestic violence abuser. Yeah, Heard launched a counterclaim saying he claimed she was a malicious liar and concocted the allegations. Yep, and the jury verdict in that case, uh, awarding substantial damages to Depp and a smaller amount to Heard, was seen as a significant victory for Depp, especially given the bar to win a defamation case, uh, is seen as much higher in the United States because, remember, free speech is written into their constitution, so the courts don't like getting in the way. Mm, That free speech thing in America, hey? Australia is very different. We don't have any implied right to free speech in our constitution. We've even been called the defamation capital of the world. Is that a claim to fame that we like? (laughs) I'm not quite sure that it is. Uh, And yeah, look, back in 2019, Matthew Collins, the president at the Victorian Bar Association, uh, gave a speech to the National Press Club and said that England used to be the worst, but now New South Wales appeal courts were more than 10 times likely uh, to take on a defamation case as London had been. Big business here. We'll talk about how media organisations want to change that in a bit. Let's talk first about a couple of cases cases that have made it to court though. Yeah, so one to point out is Erin Molan's case. She's a TV and a radio host and in 2020 uh, she was then working for 2GB and used the phrase hooker, looker, mooker, hooker, fooker. That was in a discussion about pronouncing Polynesian names uh, on the radio and she was laughing during that segment. Um, The Daily Mail accused her of mocking those names. She then sued the Daily Mail for defamation over an article and also a couple of tweets, which she said portrayed her as a racist. Yeah, and last year she was awarded a $150,000 payout. The Daily Mail, though, Claire, appealed it almost immediately. Yeah, they did. And actually, just last week, the federal court accepted that there was a case for the appeal. Uh, The judge hearing the case said that the original judge hadn't heard all the broadcasts, uh, particularly those where different radio presenters, including Molan, uh, were deliberately mispronouncing different ethnic names. Uh, So there's more to come on that one. There is. Kind of even more fascinating are the cases which didn't attract media attention. They kind of show you don't have to be famous to be caught up in defamation proceedings and that posting on the socials, as we call them, make (laughs) you just as liable as a big media company. And this is where it gets really murky. Yeah, so a good example, late last year, there were a couple of cases in the Victorian County Court involving local councillors, so those in local government. Mm. Uh, In one case, a councillor had to pay out two $200,000 after someone posted on his public Facebook page uh, that a local developer was a thief and corrupt. Um, so they weren't even his comments, I guess, is the thing to point out, but mm. he was liable because it was his Facebook page. Uh, and in a different case, a counsellor was awarded $100,000 again after someone on Facebook suggested that she was engaged in corrupt conduct. Anyone who works in media, as we do, has had the debate about whether you should be responsible for what people post on your pages. Cue huge debates. We'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. But that's just such a wake-up call for people for throwing words around in any forum, I guess. Let's have a look now at what I alluded to before, how big media organisations are calling for a defamation shake-up. 
Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. As promised, another case that's been in the media for what seems like years, Claire, involves former SAS soldier and Victoria Cross recipient Ben Robert Smith. He's suing Nine Entertainment and journalists Nick McKenzie and Chris Masters. It's a big one. Oh, yeah. This one has been called the defamation trial of the century and it's still ongoing. Masters and McKenzie first published stories about Robert Smith nearly five years ago. Uh, It was meant to be done and dusted a couple of years ago, but there have been delays in that case because of COVID, uh, national security concerns, and even after the fall of Kabul in 2021. uh, And that's because witnesses couldn't be found. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary stuff. The stakes couldn't be higher for both sides. On one hand, the reputation of one of our only living VCs, That's Victoria Cross. On the other, the Financial Review wrote, this case is, and this is the quote, a test of the court's appetite for investigative journalism. Just to unpick that a bit, Claire, why do media organisations think this case is such a big deal? It is a really good question and it's one to talk about because of the imputations uh, which we haven't talked about so far. So one of the things media companies hate about our defamation laws is that judges get to decide the imputations of what they publish. It's something you imply in your coverage Mm. but don't actually directly say or write or broadcast. So in this case, Robert Smith says one of the imputations of the stories about him is that he murdered an innocent Afghan civilian. Now, Nine says that it never reported or suggested that. So even though the newspaper articles don't say that explicitly, Robert Smith is saying, read between the lines, basically. That's what they really meant when they wrote about his involvement in some incidents in Afghanistan. Yes, that's certainly what Robert Smith's case is about. And the court case is not just about what's explicitly written, uh, but what the judge decides he thinks the article conveyed. Uh, And that makes it, of course, so much harder for media organisations to defend. Yeah, because proving something to legal standard on something like murder, that is a tough ask for journalists, which don't have the resources of police, I guess. No, and particularly in this case when you're talking about war as well. So Mm. that's why Nine is trying to build the defence of substantial or contextual truth. Uh, The defence it has submitted to the court is that Robert Smith disgraced his country in his actions on the battlefield and was regarded within the SAS as a bully and a hypocrite. So that's that case. Going back to what the Victorian Bar President was saying generally about defamation law, he argues these imputations are hatched by ingenious lawyers and that they aren't about the actual meaning of what was said. He thinks it's a real issue for 
freedom of the press. Back to this freedom point. Yeah, and the ABC's Four Corners program and Nine also lost a big one back in 2021. It had to pay out over half a million dollars to a Chinese-Australian businessman named Chow Chuck Wing. Uh, and in that case, the judge said that the stories contained an imputation that Dr Chow was a spy, even though the ABC's story didn't say that and says that it never implied it. Yeah, in a statement at the time, the ABC said the case would have a further chilling effect on media freedom in this country. While Dr Chow said he was very pleased to have his reputation restored after such a baseless attack. Hashtag it's complicated. (laughs) It is. And one, of course, that everyone is waiting for is this judgment in the Robert Smith case. It's going to be fascinating and have really big impacts either way as well. And if anyone's wondering when that's happening, no idea. It's with the judge. That's your shortcut (laughs) to the laws of defamation. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squish Shortcuts, we give some further reading, listening or watching. Claire, you've been banging on about this one for ages. I'll let you have it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I thought you were going to steal it. And I was (laughs) going to be really, really grumpy about that. Um, The Ben Robert Smith case is just so interesting. The Guardian did a five-part podcast going through the court case, the evidence that's been given. They use voice actors to recreate the really critical parts. Uh, It's called Ben Robert Smith versus the media. It's such a weird and thrilling and exciting story, uh, but it's also a really relevant one when it comes to these sorts of things. I feel like we might have even recommended it before, but there you go. There it is again. Um, I've got a cautionary tale about posting in open forums, if that information around those counsellors wasn't enough to turn you off. Um, A neighbourhood spat in the Sydney suburb of Rose Bay that turned into a $35,000 defamation payout. Give that one a read. Kate, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it at all. That's the lesson, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) And don't be friends with anyone on Facebook that could say something on your page that could get you in trouble. I mean, There's the list that goes too. on. <laughs> Thanks for listening into this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. We have debated tackling super annuation, Claire. We doing it? Look, yes, we are. No, we are. I'm quite excited about it too. Super is so important, so it'll be a good one to get across the changes. We might do that in the coming weeks. But, of course, if you have a request for a, a Squeeze Shortcut, don't hesitate to send us an email to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Chat to you next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.